Well, good morning. I've made two mistakes already this morning. How about that? Isn't that awesome? So uh, my first mistake was I didn't watch that video, so I had no idea when it was ending. And so I'm standing up here, and I'm like, do we go, do we go? So I was just waiting for a few of you who were watching the video to not watch. So thank you guys for those that were paying attention here and gave me your attention. Uh, the other mistake I made was I did not mention uh, that that is not only Stacy's dad, that is Mike's dad as well. And Mike is a huge part of our church. That was his daughter that was singing here, uh, Malia, and his, his, Mike's wife over here, Angela. And so we carry this burden, like I said, as a church this morning. So I just want you guys to know that. Uh, if you guys don't mind, can we just pray really quick? I just feel like we can't pray enough. And so let's get this thing started right this morning. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, we stand in awe of you today and every day. I'm so thankful for those that are here this morning, God, uh, that you have something prepared for their hearts. God, I pray that you speak to me as I'm going through this message this morning. Again, we lift up those families that are hurting right now in our church. We lift up, obviously, Stacy and, and Brant and Mike and their families, God. It's with all these things, we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so are you guys awake this morning? Yeah, a few people are. So uh, some of you heard I was preaching, and then you got scared, and so we didn't go in the middle. That's okay. I don't spit on you. I don't roam around. Uh, I do move a lot, but they've kind of contained me, okay? So I used to, like, go everywhere, and they said, no, we've got people online that would like to see you every once in a while. So I try to make it easy on them, and if it looks like I'm having a seizure up here, it's just because I want to move and I can't, okay? And so I get kind of trapped sometimes. Uh, but I just want to start with a story this morning. And so uh, do I have any moms here? A couple moms, okay, some that don't want to admit it, that's fine. So uh, there's a story, it was a Saturday morning, and uh, mom was laying in her room trying not to let her two boys know she was awake. Are there any moms that want to admit that they do this sometimes? You just need your time. Yeah, that's right, we all do. And so there she's laying there, and the one thing that you never want to happen happens, she accidentally coughed. Yep, you heard it here. And so all of a sudden, her two, her two sons, Joey and Eric, go running into the bedroom. And they start what? Jumping and pouncing on mom, right? It's over. And there goes all of her morning time, and she's very frustrated. And so then the questions begin, right? We can't even just, like, wake up and get ready for the day. We have to start answering those weird, nonsense questions. You know, the ones like, why are the planets floating in the sky? Or did Iron Man really die? Or if I go on VelociCoaster, will I cry? And so these are the things that they start to ask. And the mom is so flustered because she doesn't have answers to any of these. And so she's sitting there and finally they ask the question and they said, Mom, what's for breakfast? And she's like, yes, one I can answer. Pancakes. Any pancake lovers in the house? Sorry, I like to be interactive. I want you guys to be awake and alert this morning. So pancakes are great, and, and we want to get excited about pancakes. And so the boys do what any boy would do. They run through the house. The one pushes the other one down the steps, and they finally make it to the kitchen, and they're ready to make some pancakes. Now, obviously, mom's already tired, and she doesn't want to go through any of this pain, any of these issues. She wants the boys to go watch TV. She wants to go do her thing. And so she gets down there, and she starts to get the pancake mix ready, and she realized one thing. They've only got enough for two pancakes. And so moms, you know that means you're not eating, right? So your two boys are getting the food, and she's realized that, and that's okay. And if you've ever made pancakes, you know there's an art to it, especially if you're feeding people uh, and your own kids. They have to be even, right? You can't give someone a larger pancake because whether they say it or not, someone else is going to be mad at you. And so she starts to pour the batter, and of course, a ton of it dumps out. 
And so now we've got one large pancake and one tiny pancake. And of course, both boys were willing to take the smaller one. No, that's not how it works. Uh, we know our kids don't want the smaller pancake. Uh, they won't eat the larger one, but they definitely don't want the smaller one. And so they begin fighting and yelling and they're arguing and they're like, I don't want the pancake. No, I don't want that one. I want the big one. And so mom thinks, this is the perfect time to talk to them about Jesus. And so she pulls the older son, Joey, in, and she says, Joey, come over here. And she sends Eric into the room. And so Eric goes to watch TV, and he's watching cartoons. And mom looks at Joey and is like, you've been learning a lot at church, right? And you understand that Jesus loves you and that Jesus died for you and that Jesus came to serve us. And in this situation, we want to be like Jesus would be. That's what we want to emulate our lives after. And so she tells Joey and says, hey, I trust you, Joey, to become like Jesus in this situation because you know that Jesus would go in there and serve your brother both pancakes, and I'm only asking you to give him the bigger one. And so she hands both plates to him, and Joey goes in there, and he's mad. You know, he does not want to give his brother the big pancake. And so he looks at Eric, and he says, <sighs> I talked to mom, and I learned about Jesus, and I'm not happy about it. And she told me that in this situation, Jesus would give you the bigger pancake, and then I would take the smaller one. And I also have to tell you I'm sorry, because I'm not Jesus, and you ain't getting this pancake, okay? So uh, <laughs> this morning, guys, but aren't we like that in our lives with different things? It's always good to tell someone you're going to be there for them until it comes down to it, right? So we just moved recently, and I only saw about eight of you at my house helping me move, okay? This is where you see your real friends. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, we had plans. Well, what were those plans? Yeah, we had them. Yeah, but what were they? We're busy, okay? And you don't get a real excuse. And all of a sudden, an hour later, when you're done going to pick up pizza for everyone, you see everyone else that was there that wasn't at your house. And so you get these situations, and I'm totally kidding. Thank you guys for those that helped. Uh, those of you that couldn't, we'll see you next time because we do move a lot. And so uh, you always have an opportunity to serve someone, but a lot of times that might cost you something. Right? And so when we look at these different situations in our life, it's okay until I have to sacrifice something for that situation or for that person. Now, we can all think of someone right now, even within the last week, that we have probably texted and told them we couldn't do something for them because, and we didn't even have a good excuse. We just didn't want to go. We didn't want to be there for them in their time of need or whatever that looks like. And unfortunately, that happens not only in our lives at home, but that happens in our church. And so we've been talking in Philippians, and Pastor Brant started this series, uh, and when he called me yesterday, he said, here's my notes, good luck. Uh, and so if you've ever met different pastors and things, deciphering their notes is like reading a doctor's signature. You couldn't tell me who signed off on that. It's impossible. So I told Pastor Brant, we love you, and I might say one or two things that you said, but the rest is all God. And so uh, this morning, as we continue, we started last week, uh, or ended last week in Philippians 1. And so Philippians 1, we talk about joy and unity, and we're going to continue that today. But the joy and unity we talked about last week was with external conflicts. And now, obviously, today we're going to talk about those internal conflicts. We, as a church, not only here at Horizon West, but as the body of God, as, as a church as a whole, there are a lot of people from different backgrounds that are here, different diversities, different walks of life, different things that are happening. And so it becomes hard at times to get along with people. And now some of you are thinking, amen. And other views are wanting to say it out loud, and you want to scream it, but you're in church, and you just don't want to say that. And that's okay, all right? But this morning, 
think about your situation and how you get along with those in your church. You see, even here at Life Church in year two, for those of you that were with us, uh, we faced a time where unity almost killed us. Uh, we literally almost ended up dying as a church plant and not making it. Uh, and, and that's sad. But the good news is we overcame that and we figured out where we had issues. And those issues obviously were within ourselves and with our heart. It was a heart issue. And so we came together and now the last two and a half years since we've moved here have been great. And the reason why is because we have unity. And I'll tell you one thing we're going to do as a church is we're going to protect that unity. So if you're not here to be unified with us or be a part of what's going on here, we've got a front door out there because we can't have you messing up what God's got going on here. Now, some of you are like, whoa, whoa, my first Sunday, why are you saying stuff like this? That's great. Uh, I actually just mean that in the sincerest way. If you aren't going to be a part and you don't want to be a part of what God's doing, because it's not about us, we're following him. And so when he tells us we're going to go, we're going to go, wherever that is. If that's to a new school, if that's to a building, if that's to the down the road, if he tells us to whatever, we're following him. And you can either get with us or you can get with someone else. You've got to find your fit. We want you guys to do that. And so Paul, that's what he's telling the church of Philippi here. He's reaching out to them. He's telling them, hey, guys, you've got to have this unity. It's going to come from all different ways. And what I want you to realize is that there's joy in unity no matter the conflict. Is that tough to believe sometimes? Because if you're prepared for these things, then nothing else will stop what God's got planned for you. Might not be fun. Might not be what we thought was happening, but in the end, what's going to happen is we're going to glorify God, and more people are going to come to find Jesus. Amen. And so this morning, we're going to be in Philippians, uh, and we're going to talk through basically Philippians 2, 1 through 11. And so I want to read just a little bit here for you guys this morning. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, they'll have it on the screens. Again, our Wi-Fi is free, Life Church HW, you just click it, and there's no password. Please don't go on Facebook if you get bored. Okay, uh, side note. So uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 2, it says, So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, and affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and one mind. And so here Paul starts this letter to the church of Philippi. And he's telling them these things. And you'll notice there's so many different translations, and sometimes the Bible gets hard to decipher. And so when we look at this in particular, you can use the word if for each one of those statements in verse 1. So let's read it this way. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, if there's any participation in the Spirit, and if there's any affection and sympathy. And now what you'll see when you look at this word and, and the original translation, what we did is we translated that to the word if, but in this particular situation, it actually means since. So let's do this one more time. And so it says, since there is any encouragement in Christ, since there's comfort from love, since there's participation in the Spirit, and since there's affection and sympathy. I don't know if you guys catch what's going on here, but Paul is telling them, if this, then I'm about to tell you this. And so what's happening is these are rhetorical questions. And we don't always catch that in this sense. And Paul's saying, well, if you've got these things, because Paul knows you've got these things if you've got God and you're in a body of Christ. There's no question about it. It's there. So all Paul is saying, hey, let me remind you what you've got in Christ, in your body of church, and in those that are around you. Because when these conflicts come, when these things come up, you're going to need those. 
You're going to need to remember those things. And so he's explaining that. You know, the word uh, encouragement here, a lot of times it's consolation, to console in Christ. This entire thing, guys, it's never meant to be alone. So when we talk about consoling in Christ, we talk about God's giving you the Holy Spirit to walk alongside you. God's giving you people in your life to be there with you. This is nothing that you're supposed to face alone. And Paul's telling them that. So I remember my first car accident. That's a good way to start a story. And everyone's like, well, at least you're here. So yeah, that's good. Uh, and so I had my car accident. And uh, I, I get in there and I'm freaking out. Right? If you've been in a car accident before, this was my first one ever. My heart's racing. I'm crying. I'm calling my mom. I'm like, mom, I'm in a car accident. This guy's going to come kill me. I don't know what happened. Will I lose my car? And then all of a sudden you start these questions. Will I ever get to drive again? How will I pay for my next one? What is the insurance going to look like? You just, you don't even care about the situation anymore. You're just freaking out. And then all of a sudden, the guy you hit, he came up to my window and he's pounding and he's angry. And I've got my window up and I'm like, "Mm -mm. nope, not today. We are not having this conversation. Uh, I've got no interest in talking to you, sir. And, And so finally, he just kept banging and pointing at his phone. And on his phone, he had the numbers 911. And I was like, Oh, no. Okay, so we roll the window down. I didn't know what that meant. And all of a sudden, I'm freaking out, like, am I going to jail? Why, why is he calling 911? What's going to happen? And, and again, if you've been in a car accident, that's typical and it's routine. And, and so we call 911, and, and the cop comes there, and we figure it all out. Uh, and nothing happened except for I paid a lot of money, and, and I will try to drive more carefully going forward. And so um, we get to this, this point in my life, though, where I had everything I needed. I had my license, I had my registration, I had the number 911, I knew what that was, if you guys don't, look it up, and then uh, I also had all the information for my insurance, I knew the situation because I'd taken driver's ed, I could handle it, but you know why I didn't handle it is because I wasn't prepared ahead of time. See, Paul's saying you can't handle the conflict if you're not prepared ahead of time. Paul says that's great that you know you have these tools, but are you using them and experiencing them now? Paul says, I want you to understand God's love. I want you to understand the comfort that comes with that. I have sympathy and empathy for you. God is here for you. He's given people alongside you. The reason we're pounding this home today is because before anything else happens this morning, know that God is with you. And Paul is urging them this. And it's crazy because in this situation, uh, we look at Paul and you look at the end of it. We look at verse two. It says, now complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and one mind. And so when I, when I look at that, I'm like, why are we completing Paul's joy? I thought this was about God. And so if you understand that Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi and that he basically founded this church, this letter is full of passion. Paul is saying, complete my joy. Don't do anything for me, but this is going to make me so happy because my mission in life is to help people find and follow God and find that same joy. So this is not about Paul. I want to get that straight this morning. Paul's saying, take your eyes off of me, put them on God, and it's going to guide the rest of your steps. He's trying to create unity within a church. By the way, he's not even there. Because at the end of, verse, of chapter 1, he says, Now whether I come in person or whether I hear of these things, I hope that you guys are found in one spirit firm together. Now let me tell you, if Paul could hear about things before we had cars, internet, you know, anything else, I guarantee it, people hear about things today. So if our church is not in unity together, there are people in this community who, who will know that. 
Now, on the, on the opposite, the flip side, if we are in unity together, there are people that will know that too. You know why? Because there's one thing in this world uh, uh, that no one understands, and it's coming together. We talk about it, but really we're a selfish people in a selfish world. And so now we've got the situation where nothing has changed because the world has always been selfish, but we have to take on that same responsibility that Paul is giving to them. So we look at the next uh, verses here in Philippians, and it's going to be Philippians 3, verse uh, three, or 2, 3, and 4. Sorry. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not to his own interests only, but also to the interests of others. Ooh, that hurts. Because it's easy to look at ourselves. I would venture to say that most of us have a social media profile, whether we use it or we don't. Or if we don't, maybe we at least know what they are. Uh, And if you don't, okay, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, these are things that we utilize. And so when we look at this, I don't think I've ever looked at someone's profile when I started to follow them and only found pictures of other people. Has anyone ever done that? Never found a picture of the person on there? No, because it doesn't work work like that because social media is all about us. And so when I say this world, we've created a selfish world, we do it without even realizing it. Well, everyone else does it. Well, I never thought about that. Why is it all about me? Did you guys know that on average, there's 93 million selfies taken in a day? And that was data from two years ago. Self. We always want to capture ourselves and what's going on in our lives. Did you know that there are over 780 words in the English language that start with the word self? Self-esteem self-focus, self-help, all these things that self, self, self. Now, we won't say that on the outside because everyone wants to help someone and do something good, and I'm all for you, but when it comes down to it, I'm really about myself. And, And what I don't want you to do this morning is don't mishear me. Some of these things are good. We need help. We need to look at ourselves because we're supposed to look after the interests of ourselves. It's even right there in the Bible. But what I want you to do is understand, okay, after I've gotten to a point where I'm good with God and I've worked on myself, I need to take the focus off myself and I need to start taking pictures of other people and put my focus on them. We can't be so focused on ourselves. We live in a world now where it's got to work on my business, got to work on my life, got to work on this in my life, got to do this. I'm so busy. They'll understand. Let me tell you this. Your friends will understand. If you have a real friend and you tell them you can't come to something and it's not a legitimate excuse, they'll still understand. But what they'll understand more is when you show up, when you have a real excuse and you make time for them. People want you to be in their lives. People want to be put first. And that's what God said. He wants you to put them first. Remember, we talk about the great commandments all the time. Love God and love others. And you say, well, Stephen, yeah, love others as yourself. And that's great. But if you're only loving yourself, you'll never love others. We have to start becoming more unified by looking out for the needs of those around us. If there's one thing I want anyone to understand this morning, it's that we can't do it on our own, and we're going to crash and burn if we try to. It's okay that you have pain. It's okay that you're messed up. It's okay that you don't even know Jesus this morning. That's fine. Someone in here wants to come with you. They want to pray with you. They want to walk to your work this week, and they want to bring you lunch, and they want to do something for you because all it's about is living in relationship and living in love. And that in itself creates joy and unity. That's why so many people don't have joy and happiness. 
we look at it in our world and we try to figure out, well, why aren't they happy? They've got all this money and they've got everything else. Yeah, well, they don't have the unity and they don't have God a lot of times. Those are two really big important things that we need in our lives. And so Paul just keeps trying to get this over and over and over. And this is great because uh, we could stop here and we, and we could talk about all these different things. Don't, don't live in selfish conceit. Don't, you know, <laughs> do not forget about the needs of others. Put yourself last. Be humble. There's a humility word. There's all these things that we could do in our lives. And, and this is where Paul probably could have stopped. But God said, no, Paul, I've got a little bit more for you to write. There's a little bit more to understand in this situation. And so then we get to Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. And it says this. Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped. Equality, sorry. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found human in the form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to a cross. So again, Paul says, don't look at what I did. If we're going to look at humility, let's look at Jesus and what he did. Every time you see Paul write a letter or talk to a church, it's all about unity, but he's also pointing them to the one that has the answers. So many times we do look for the answers in those around us, and we shouldn't be doing that. Sometimes we just need to look up or we need to look in our Bible because God's got it for us. And so Paul points this out, and, and he uses different words and different language here. But what I want you to understand, when it talks about the form of God, that specifically denotes just the essential unchanging character of something. So the form of God here is just saying that Jesus is the same today, yesterday, tomorrow, and always. So what he's saying is if we're going to look to somebody for unity, if we're going to look to somebody for humility, we should probably look to the one that's never going to change. I don't know what almost anyone is going through here right now. What I do know is that you need Jesus and you need the person next to you to create the joy and community in your life that you're missing. I can tell you that. And so this morning, as we look at what makes Jesus different, it's because he, he came to where he humbled himself and died on a cross. And why would he do that? Because he was God, right? He had all, everything he ever wanted. And you know why he did that? Because he got the example from his father. Because God gave his only son for us. God sacrificed something for us when we did not deserve it. That's what I'm talking about. When we're going to sacrifice something for someone to be in unity, even if maybe they don't deserve it. And so because God set the example first, then Jesus set the example for us. And guess what happens after Jesus set the example? Then we've got Paul setting the example. Do you see what I'm doing here? This just carries on. And so then the Church of Philippi carries the example. And now Life Church Horizon West can carry that example. We have to live in unity. We have to be full of joy. And so we're going to start to look at a few things here. As we wind things down, we're going to end in these last couple of verses because I think this is huge. This is important. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. It says, Therefore, and you can insert here, because of Jesus' humility, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every other name. So that the, at the end of the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Amen. One day, whether you believe that God sent his son for you or not, you will bow at the name of Jesus. 
What a glorious day that will be. And we are so excited. But it's because of his humility that put him in this situation. God didn't say, oh, I want to do this. Jesus gave up everything. He could have stayed in heaven. He said, forget you guys. I don't care about you. But Jesus said, no, because of what you did for me, Father, I want to do the same for them. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for showing me that joy in our unity that I have with you in the Holy Spirit. You see, this unity comes and it transforms all of us through all aspects of our life. If we see a perfect unity in the one that we love and we worship, it will carry through our lives. And so I, I look at this situation and I say, okay, if Jesus is going to be exalted because of his humility, what do you think God will do for us because of our humility? Maybe this morning we need to get out of our own way, remove our own pride, and step into what Jesus has for me with someone else. I kind of want to end with this story, and I think this is just an incredible story. So there's this gentleman, his name is Sam Rayburn. And Sam Rayburn was a representative, uh, or he's a member of Congress, he's a, as a speaker in the House of Representatives, and he was the third in line from the president. So in succession, he would have been the third person up. And so Sam Rayburn, he had a friend who died. Uh, and he went, and it was his friend, and it was his daughter, and he goes there, and he says, hey, I know your daughter died, and she was very close. She was my friend. I know she was your daughter. And, and he goes, and he spends the morning with them, and everything is chaotic. I don't know if you've ever lost someone, but the house is a mess. People are freaking out. Uh, this is exactly what the, the Stanton Leach family probably went through yesterday. And, and so Sam's there, and he doesn't know what to do, because in this moment, you don't know what to do for someone when someone else has died. You want to pray for them, you want to hug them, you want to love them, but then you also want to keep a distance because you don't want to get in the way. And so what Sam does is he just sits there for a second. He watches the chaos. He watches people roam around. He's watching people weep and cry. And he looks to his friend and he says, is there anything I can do for you? And his friend, and his friend says, no, there's nothing I can think of. We're trying to figure out the funeral, the arrangements. I don't know what's happening. And so what happens is uh, Sam thinks, well, what can I do for him? And he says, have you had your cup of coffee this morning? And his friend goes, well, to think about it, I didn't. That would be really nice, actually. And, and so Sam, one of the most powerful men in our country, walks into the kitchen of his friend and makes him a cup of coffee. And he makes him this cup of coffee, and he brings it out to him. And they're sitting there, and finally, for the first time all day, people are just breathing and actually having conversation. It's starting to settle in what's happened, and so memories start to begin, and we start to talk about their daughter and what's happened and what an excellent life she lived even though she was very young. And it was then when the friend looked at Sam and he goes, weren't you supposed to be at the White House this morning having breakfast with the president? And Sam replied, and he said, he said these words. He said, I was, but I told him I had a friend who is in need and in trouble, and that is worth more than breakfast with you this morning. Who is it in your life this morning that needs a cup of coffee? Who just needs you to be there for them? That's where the unity starts. A lot of times we just think we have to be superficial or we think we have to be God and we have to do all these spiritual prayers and things. How about just, hey, how are you doing this week? Some people here don't know who God is. Well, guess what? Today he wants you to know him. You can't have that unity and that joy without him. Some of you right now have blown your friend off for three weeks, four months, five years. It doesn't matter. You need to reach out to them. You know why? Because it's not about you. God's waiting to work in their life, and he wants to use you to do it. Quit blocking God from working in someone else's life. That's not unity. Let's talk about some marriages this morning. 
one of your spouses right now is counting on you to be in unity with them and you're not? Who is counting on you right now? If you guys would bow your heads, I want to pray over you guys. I want to talk through some things. There are ways to get involved. There are ways to be unified, not only in our homes, but that's where it starts, homes, families. We've got to be strong there so that when we join the dream team here at Life Church, and maybe this is your next step, maybe this is where you're at, you can make a difference in this community for God. And so my prayer this morning is that you would say, if you haven't already, yes to Jesus. If this is where you're at right now and you're thinking, I don't know God, but now I want to know him. I want this joy. I want this unity. I want to become a part of this family. I want to know what that fellowship looks like. Right now, right now, where you're at, say this prayer in your mind, out loud, whatever you want. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I'm lost without you. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross that you made for me. I want to say yes to you. I want to follow you with, me, with your life and with my life. Will you take me to be yours? Amen.
Work. 